0: Locked on NBA. The biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we'll stop in Chicago to speak with Jordan Maley of Locked On Bulls. We'll go to Detroit to speak with Matt Shook of Locked On Pistons. And lastly, we go to Denver to speak with Adam Mares of Locked On Nuggets about why they fell in love with the teams that they cover slash support, their favorite players and some other interesting stories. It's all coming up, the biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA.
1: are locked on the nba part of the locked on podcast network
0: Hello, and welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, and I am the lead analyst at Basketball Monster and at Yahoo Sports Australia. We're checking in on another three teams across the Locked On Podcast Network, talking to the hosts of those shows, some interesting stories from the history of those teams, favorite players, great memories, all that sort of stuff. So let's get to it. Now let's talk to one of the hosts of the Locked On Bulls podcast. Jordan Maley is here with me. Jordan, the Chicago Bulls, a storied franchise who is um, ensconced in ineptitude at the moment, but that doesn't mean that you have stopped covering them or stopped being a fan of the Bulls. So where did your Bulls journey begin?
1: You know the depressing thing josh is i was born in 94 so i was born right in the middle of the <laughs> probably the greatest 10 years of bulls basketball or nba basketball in general so i grew up in the first memory of michael jordan that i actually remember was him playing for the wizards so it's very oh, wow. very sad so It's difficult for me to think back to the 90s and not really remember any of it, although I was alive. Uh, But my fandom, I feel like, started really when Kirk Heinrich, Luol Deng were both drafted. Uh, The first, very first memory of being a Bulls fan is when Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler were both drafted. I was super excited for both of those guys, and we know what happened with Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler had a nice career. But those were my first real, I guess, inception into the Bulls and the Bulls fandom.
0: Um. Yeah, I used to be a Bulls fan as well, but I did start watching. I think around the first Jordan championship season. So uh, yeah, I got a little bit more of that uh, that greatness in when uh, when I was watching uh, Chicago back in uh, back in those days. But now, uh, as you know, covering the Bulls, yeah, how how hard is it to see sort of the way that things are? You know, seem to be trending with this franchise. Is there a level of uh, frustration? Is it? Yeah. Uh, you know, how do you sort of I guess balance that based on the history of the franchise and your job in covering the Bulls?
1: Yeah, I think it gets difficult at times. You know, your your fandom wants to take over and you know, the White Sox growing up were my number one team. But as I as I moved along, got a little bit older, was in high school and college, the Bulls became really the only team that I ever wanted to watch because the Sox did make the playoffs in 12 years. The Bulls were exciting with Derrick Rose at that time. Uh, this team felt like it was back to where we were in the 90s. And for a lot of the millennials growing up watching the Bulls, this was our really first opportunity to understand what it was like to have a competitive basketball team here in this city. Uh, so for me, you know, the disappointment at where we are right now, it feels like the last six or seven years have really just been a blur of all of one year. It feels like one endless loop over and over again. And um, at the point right now, we're at where casual Bulls fans were checking in on the team, you know, night in and night out, but for the most part, most people were watching games. We're at a point where it's really just the diehards that are watching at this point and paying attention. Uh, the, the disgust people have in the city for the bulls. And honestly, now it's just like, people don't care. Like there, I think people are over being angry. They just don't care at this point, which is, I think even worse than being angry. If you don't care, then, then you've already lost. So it's, it's a sad situation. And hopefully, I mean, we keep saying hope every single year, but hopefully next year, there's some type of turnaround. If they do decide to make a change this off season.
0: I think you're right about people not caring because it's almost like the old, uh, not the old, the current WWE mantra. As long as you're getting a reaction, it doesn't matter what the reaction is, that that is still passion from the fans, whether it's booing or cheering, whatever it is, they're still invested. But when they don't care, it's when they stop coming, when they stop interacting and stop engaging because that negative energy, once things or if things turn good, then that easily just transfers into becoming... Yeah, super passionate, positive support, but you're having that apathy towards it It is a real concern. But let's talk a little bit more about, I guess, fun things with with the team and more positive things with this franchise. Who is your all-time favorite Bulls player?
1: Oh, that's a that's a tough one. That is, I I think I'm going to have to say Joe Kim Noah. I think him, and even before Joe Kim. Andres Nocioni was one of my low key favorite players. And for a lot of Bulls fans here, he was kind of the embodiment of, you know, the everyday Chicago person, somebody who grinded. It felt like people that came that were real here in the city and actually, you know, talked to the fans felt like they were a part with the fans. Uh, a lot of Chicago people could connect to him. So that's why I felt like he was a grinder. He embodied everything on the floor that Chicago people are made of, of grinding it out, uh, doing what's necessary. And even if he didn't like it sometimes, just doing what needed to be done. And for a lot of those ugly Bulls teams back in the mid 2000s, him and Ben Gordon and early Kirk Heinrich and Al Dang were a lot of fun to watch. But I I think Joe Kim, Noah, the pleasure of watching him and all the quotes that we got from him. And again, it goes back to the passion. Him and Nocioni had a ton of passion for this team. And I think that's something that Chicago fans really loved. And I think the thing that we really loved about Joe Kim is he went after other cities. He went after other players. He didn't care. If you didn't wear red and black, he did not care. He did not like you. He was not about you. And you could see it in the Cleveland The Cleveland comments that he makes that he didn't ever want to go back to Cleveland. What's so good about Cleveland? Uh, So again, Joe Kim Noah kind of embodies that uh, that grit and grind that Chicago people, I feel like, uh, can connect to a lot. So Joe Kim's definitely got to be my favorite.
0: I think a lot of people that didn't grow up watching Jordan would have that same sort of answer. They'd always be the the Derrick Rose people as well. But uh, I I think... And Noah just Im- embodied such a he-is-one-of-us type of a feeling, um, even though, of course, he isn't from Chicago, but he embraced the city and he embraced the team, and people really did draw towards that. So he's always been, or I think he always will be, a beloved Bulls figure. But let's look at things a little bit differently. Like, Who's that player for you, Jordan, that is under the radar, that you know, other people won't necessarily you know, think was good or was worthy of praise or was worthy of harping on about? Who's that guy for you where you have an un- uh, unexplained
1: or unrationable uh, love for you know it follows this theme and it's a more recent player but it was bobby Portis. you know we did an event with him wow. about a year oh, and a half ago right. and and you know for all the perception around bobby i think is completely different when you meet him in person and you actually talk to him i loved him in college I got to talk to his college coaches about him too. So I think over the three or four years of watching Bad Bulls basketball, uh, there was some growing love that I had for Bobby Portis and the way he played the game. But think about the two players that I named as my favorites. Those guys were grit and grinders. And so was Bobby. And Bobby played with a ton of a passion. So I always loved players that played with a ton of passion. And I know uh, the thing with Nico that happened with the punching him and uh, some of the things that happened at the end of his tenure here with the Bulls weren't so great. But he was one guy that Constantly, he would get ragged on. Uh, People said, I don't know why he's even on this team anymore, but I just loved him. I loved the way he played, and I loved the passion that he played with.
0: I don't think, look, I'm, I'm not a big Bobby Portis fan myself, but I understand you having that personal interaction. It is different when you have those interactions with players like you did with Bobby and the bowling event that you guys put on. It does change your perception of these guys and you see what they do sort of behind the scenes. And again, that passion is something that Chicago fans, you always gravitate towards with those two guys that you named there in Noah and Portis. Jordan, thanks for coming on Locked On NBA with me. And guys, if you want to hear more about the Bulls, go and check out Locked On Bulls throughout this entire coronavirus-induced shutdown. And of course, when the NBA season picks back up, Jordan, thank you for coming on.
1: Thanks, Josh. Have a good one.
0: From an early morning breakfast burrito to a 12-pack of beers while you watch the game, sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast. And that's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're still eating your lunch. I love food and that's why you should love Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant you can think of right to your door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make life easier with grocery delivery and anything else that you can think of delivery as well. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. No more trips to the store, which is especially important during this social distancing phase of our lives. No more late night fast food runs. You don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android. Find your favorite and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 off free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's code LOCKEDONNBA for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Let's talk Detroit now as I bring in the host of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Matt Shook is here with us today. Matt Um, As a Pistons, as the host of the Locked On Pistons podcast, you're also a Pistons fan. How long have you been a Pistons fan? Has that been a childhood thing?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say childhood, ever since I can remember watching sports. Yeah, so I kind of came of age, you know, your first memories, six, seven, eight years old, was right about when the bad boys started winning championships, so late 80s. I'm in my uh, late 30s right now, so yeah, actually my first sports memories are watching the Pistons lose to the Lakers in the 88 finals in game seven, uh, somewhere right around then. And then I remember vividly the two championships the Pistons had after that. So, you know, I was hooked, and basketball has always been my sport. So even during these lean years, of the past decade, it's been a different kind of uh, fandom. You try to figure out ways that the team can rebuild and get better and all that stuff, but I've always been connected to this team. So
0: yeah, you've lived through some successful years, the 80s and in the 90s. What was your favorite team? What was your favorite era of that team? Was it that one that you grew up on that, that first got you hooked in or, or the later championships? What was your favorite Pistons team?
2: No, I'll say the going to work era just because you saw that whole thing come to fruition. You saw the lean years. You got excited about the Grant Hill era. You thought, okay, uh, you know, they had the bad boys and they're getting right back to the championship level with Grant Hill. Obviously, he had the injuries, and then and then moved on, and then there was a, a dark period after that. And you just kind of, really, kind of like where we're at right now with the Pistons. You're thinking, this team is mediocre at best at times. How is it? How do you possibly get better unless you luck into drafting a guy like Giannis or something like that? And he turns into to what a guy like that turns into. But fortunately, you know, to Joe Dumars' credit, they didn't need that. that they just kind of had a a series of shrewd moves to make it happen and uh you know took guys a little bit off the scrap heap talking about the ben wallaces and chauncey billups and even rip hamilton to some extent you top it off with rasheed wallace you draft Tayshawn prince and then that team kind of comes out of nowhere and they were pretty good with the stackhouse era at the end of it but to 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 become an Eastern Conference finalist for six straight seasons, to go to two straight NBA finals, win it like they did in dramatic fashion uh, against Kobe and Shaq, no less. It was just, it, and of course, me being late high school when that thing starts developing and then into my college years when you're hanging out with your friends and, and having some beers and watching the games night in and night out, that was really pretty uh, a special time.
0: Who was your favorite Pistons player of all time?
2: Yeah, I'm going to go on the top line basically one of the one of the legends, one of the guys up in the rafters and it's Chauncey Billups just because he was kind of the leader of that team, Mr. Big Shot, he was the the cool customer and uh you know, he was the superstar if there was one for that team and obviously you look around the league at that time there probably wasn't a superstar for the Pistons. And Ben Wallace, yeah, I mean he was kind of the the soul of that team, given that he was the defensive first player on a team that always had to have their defense to to keep up with the other you know great teams in the NBA. But Chauncey Billups, as the guy who's kind of steered the ship and uh, made the big shots at the end of games and still was a, a very solid, uh, almost elite defensive player, too. So fit into the fabric of the team, bought in, uh, ended his career back here as well. Uh, to to play. And it is still an an icon in the city of Detroit. I know he's obviously connected to Colorado where he he grew up and and played college ball as well. But yeah, he's just kind of the guy and uh, the way he's kind of carried himself and, and led that era of basketball has always been very special.
0: What about like an underrated sort of a player? Someone that you uh, were big on, someone that you pumped up quite a bit that maybe didn't quite deserve that sort of attention or other people would now maybe ridicule you for like being such a believer in this player. There's a former Piston that's in my mind that was one of those guys that I thought could turn into something good and never did, and that's Austin Day. But I'd like to hear who your player Mm -hmm. is, maybe someone who had a a bit of a longer tenure in the NBA. Who's that guy for you who you were sort of unrationally or irrationally uh, high on?
2: Yeah, I think that uh, in Detroit, we're just kind of like maybe guided towards or drawn towards some of the bench players, maybe some of those effort guys that kind of scrap all over the court and uh, some of the less heralded guys, or maybe they don't have the physical tools and make up for it. So I got three bench guys that kind of come to mind from different eras, each of them as well. And that's uh, one of them being Vinnie Johnson. He was, uh, I mean, obviously everyone knows who Vinnie Johnson was, a fringe all-star at the, the peak of his career and uh, you know one of the best bench players in the history of basketball. And the, the 007 shot to win the 1990 championship in Game 5 at Portland clearly stands out about him. But just the fact that he was able to sacrifice his ego and come off the bench when Joe Dumars and Isaiah Thomas were all-stars and, and, and top-flight players in the league, and that you know Vinnie Johnson could have gone and been the second scorer On a very good team at that time at the peak of his career but he kind of settled into that role role of being a bench player that's always been kind of very special to pistons fans and then uh the era that didn't work out the the grant hill era uh jyd jerome williams was a first round draft pick out of georgetown uh player people who are my age kind of loved jyd growing up he had the high socks jerome williams junkyard dog and uh really just an effort guy didn't have much of an offensive game, but stuck around uh, for years with the Pistons and then later the Raptors as well, and always just was kind of a guy that was beloved here in the market. And I guess, you know, kind of the all the alternators is what we call them, obviously, going off the car theme here in Detroit, in the 0-4 era, the, the going to work era, uh, those guys kind of helped lift up, lift up the team, talking about guys like Zelly Rabracha, and then John Barry, and uh, some of the later guys included Lindsey Hunter and Mike James, Mehmet O'Kerr. Um, so of that group, I would probably say that O'Kerr, as, as kind of one of the first foreign-born players to come over for the Pistons and another cool customer who, again, uh, later showed in Utah that he was a guy who could play a bigger role on a, on a good team as well, kind of you know, took that back seat and played his role well and, and did it for a team that, uh, that needed some bench scoring, and uh, he provided it back in the day.
0: Last uh, trivia question before you go, Matt. Who do you think played more seasons, averaging over thirty minutes a game, Jerome Williams or Vinnie uh, Johnson?
2: Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I'm obviously Vinnie Johnson's got the better resume overall, but uh, I guess I'm going to go with VJ, even though I have a feeling that uh, I might be wrong about it.
0: They both only played one season where they averaged over thirty minutes a game.
2: What was Vinny's with the Pistons?
0: Yeah, let me have a look. I had that up. Uh, yes, it was. It was his second season in Detroit. He averaged 31 minutes a game.
2: Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's surprising. You know, they did go with a lot of three-guard lineups sometimes to get their most talented players on the court, especially in his early tenure. But yeah, uh, a bench player and uh, someone who um, clearly, you know, maybe could have reached an all-star level if he if he got that role with some different teams but certainly uh, beloved here in the city of Detroit and a nice post playing career as a businessman as well so yeah a very remembered fondly here in Michigan Matt thank you for coming
0: on and talking about some of your Pistons memories and fandom and they can check out uh, everyone listening can go check out Locked On Pistons where you'll be talking uh, to get us through this uh, coronavirus induced shutdown Matt thanks for coming on
2: thanks Josh anytime
0: now we've got the host of the Locked On Nuggets podcast here Adam Maris is here with me Adam the Denver Nuggets, a team obviously pushing up towards the top of the NBA standings at the moment. It hasn't always been the case. How long have you been following the trials and tribulations of the Denver Nuggets? As a writer, I think
3: this is now my sixth or seventh year, somewhere somewhere in there. I think as a credentialed writer, my fifth year. And then as a fan, you know, I, I'm from Denver, um, so I, I guess I would say I've been a fan forever. But I, I didn't really become a big diehard denver nuggets fan until about 2002 2003 when carmelo anthony arrived it was also i'm the same age as carmelo so it was also when i was leaving the house and sort of getting control of of the remote control um on my own but um but yeah, I would say I've become like a, a real fan uh, at, in 2003. So do you think it
0: was the, the Mallow arrival that sort of tipped the scales to make you a, a Nuggets fan? Or was there other, other factors involved? Or was it just that sort of growing up, hey, I've got that autonomy to do these things? Or was Mallow creating that big of a buzz in the city?
3: Uh, it was a little bit of all of that, but I would definitely say that Melo was the biggest draw. I mean, he was coming off of that championship with Syracuse., um, you know, he was a very interesting player. But you also have to remember that from, I don't know ninety ninety five, basically through two thousand and three, the, the, the basically the decade leading up to Carmelo's arrival was really bad. I mean, some of it was bad luck. You know, guys getting injured in the off season and young prospects, you know, catastrophic injuries or whatever. But um, the team was really bad. It was the worst decade easily in the uh, organization's existence. So m- Carmelo's arrival and it wasn't just him. I, a lot of people it, it's funny. They talk about once Melo arrived they started w- going to the playoffs. Well they also brought in Marcus Camby, Andre Miller. Nene was a uh, a, a, a key piece of that team he, he arrived a year before so it was the team had really rebuilt on the fly in 2003 and put out a pretty compelling group
0: is that your favorite iteration of the team or are we talking about the the, the squad we've got now like what's your favorite nuggets team to have watched or covered
3: so weirdly enough I, I think it was 2016-17 which would have been Jokic's second season kind of his breakout year you know he had moments that rookie season that made everybody excited but he was only playing about 20 down down the stretch the final back half of the season only playing about 24 minutes per game or so 22. So his sophomore season was the sort of prove it year and in a lot of ways that 2017 season was where they invented this style of basketball All the you know Jamal Murray was a rookie Gary Harris kind of made the leap to being a big player and then of course Jokic it just felt like every night He was doing something completely new, which he still does. It's just it's no longer new. So some of that newness has worn off. But that first year, I just remember or that second year, I guess it was. But 2017, when he got his first year starting, it just felt like he would get the ball in transition or catch it at the top of the key. And every single night you were just waiting for one or two crazy things to happen that you'd never seen before. And to me, that was the most fun. It was also one of those years, you know, they weren't going anywhere. You hoped they would make the playoffs, but you knew that was a long shot. In a weird way, as a fan, that was a low pressure year, and it was just it was fun to just kind of witness the uh, the the puppy stage of all those guys.
0: Now I'm not yeah you know, fully in tune with Denver sports. I know that the Broncos had some successful years. I know the Colorado Avalanche were a successful team in the Joe Sakic, Peter Forsberg days. But so sort of where do the Nuggets fit now? Are they pushing to taking market share away from? I don't know anything about the Colorado Rockies, but are they pushing to take away <laughs> any market share away from the Broncos? It's still just really a, a Broncos sort of town.
3: Well, it's, it's a Broncos town with no questions asked. The the Denver Broncos and really the NFL, most cities that have NFL teams are this way. But, but the NFL and, and the Denver Broncos in particular, that's the team that everybody likes. You know, your uncles, your aunts, your cousins, your neighbors. Every, everybody follows and pays attention on Football Sunday to the Denver Broncos and is kind of aware of what's going on. And then the way I would put it is that I think everybody else has one other team. So everybody's a Broncos and Nuggets or Broncos and Abs, Broncos and Rockies. The other three teams really just kind of split the difference, I would say. The Nuggets have, you know, were really becoming more and more popular in the Carmelo-Anthony era. I'd say they were clearly the number two most popular team. Um, They lost a lot of that, you know, during the Brian Shai era when they obviously weren't very good. Um, But, yeah, I would say they're just kind of tied for second with all the other teams right now.
0: Who's your favorite Nuggets player of all time?
3: This one's easy. It's Jokic, and I know that's obviously he's the one still playing and still I would argue approaching his peak and I not even quite there yet, but, um, he's just fun. Um, you know, I really liked Carmelo. Andre Miller is like one of those like role players that I really liked. Antonio McDice was a guy that I really liked Matumbo, but to me, Jokic is by far the most entertaining. And even now where, you know, he's at the phase of his career now where I think people start to really start of say, okay, now let's, let's pick nits, you know, um, The honeymoon phase is over, but it's still just a lot of fun watching him. I do feel like there's still, you go to the arena every single night and you, you just feel like anything can happen that
0: night. What about an under-the-radar sort of guy, someone that yeah, not everyone would think was even good or worthwhile, worthwhile uh, or worthy of having your adulation? Who's that player that you maybe unreasonably stand for or, or think is a player that was yeah, just better than, than the average person may uh, may think?
3: Well, I, first of all, I would say that I think with teams like the Nuggets and, and people sort of in their categories, other teams in their category, most of their guys that were good are that fall in that category. I think Andre Miller is that way. It's funny. I remember George Carl once called Andre Miller a top 10 all-time point guard. Now, this was 15 years ago before the explosion of all these great point guards came in. But I think Andre Miller was one of those guys, one of the best lob passers, just one of the best floor generals. He was one of those guys that I think was was probably a little bit underrated because of how much he could do. Great defender, great post up player at an era when point guards that could post up was a, a real value. Um, so, him, and then I would say growing up, uh, I was called Nahara a lot um, at, wow. at like basketball camps and stuff. So, I guess I got to stand for Nahara because I, apparently I kind of look like him.
0: Well, there you go. That's a, it's a, as good a reason as any to uh, to go for a, a player and, <laughs> and support them if you're a doppelganger on the team. Nothing wrong with that, Adam. Of course, Adam will have all the Denver Nuggets content for you guys across this coronavirus-induced shutdown over on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for jumping on with me today, Adam.
3: Thanks so much, Josh.
0: And that will do it for another episode of Locked On NBA. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and all of the podcasts of your favorite teams right across the Locked On Podcast Network. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and you can also tell your smart device to play the next episode of whatever your favorite podcast is across the Locked On Podcast Network. In fact, now that this show is finished, why don't you tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Hollinger and Duncan on the Locked On Podcast Network. Guys, you can follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble and the network at LockedOnNBA.net. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening everyone see ya